We're off to meet Cruella in her early years. The devil made us do another conjuring, and we're going to get to vanishing an earwig and a witch. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is off screen. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Offscreen. Did you miss our little preamble? We certainly did, and we're back with it. That was nice. It's like it's like a tradition. It just felt wrong yeah. to do it when we weren't talking about like new headline releases every week when it was going to be one or two streaming titles. It just seemed anticlimactic, didn't it? But you know what? Movies, for better or worse, seem to be back, Bex, and we've got four new releases to talk about in the next 20 minutes. So let's start then by talking about what could possibly go wrong with the team-up between Morgan Freeman and Ruby Rose. Did you know the world needed this one? Well, I thought the world needed this one. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, Van, uh, we just said off air, I was like, can you take the synopsis on this one? Because I think I'm oversimplifying it. But let's see what your take of, this, of what Vanquish actually is. Right, so the best way to describe Vanquish is one of those Eastern European-funded produce sort of petrol station bargain bin fillers you tend to find increasingly often now featuring the bored face of of Morgan Freeman. And at the same time, it's basically conceptually the bone collector meets collateral. So it's kind of the bored collector, if you will. So Morgan Freeman is... The board collector. He's this sort of former cop turned wheelchair bound crime lord. It's it's, it's never yeah. really. There's, there's loads of hints of plot in this, but no actual plot. It's it's quite clever in how unclever it is. It's profoundly intelligent in just how stupid it, it, it thunderingly is. Like they they thought to come up with the idea for a script and then forgot to write a script. So Morgan Freeman is a former <laughs> cop turned wheelchair bound crime lord who just sort of has a friend who's Ruby Rose and she has a mysterious past and she's a master mercenary slash assassin slash heist artist but she's also a single mum and someone's got some information that's going to expose Morgan Freeman's criminal operation because for reasons that have never been explained he's gone from cop to criminal and he holds Ruby Rose's daughter hostage unless she goes on a one night long mission to make is it five or six stops five five, five. yeah to I think it's to collect money or money and data from certain contacts but also seemingly at the same time kill them assassinate them and wipe them out one by one as well and because he's in the wheelchair and we're really going with this board collector, uh, you know, an analogy. He's going to be watching and he's going to be speaking into her ear and watching everything she does through a body cam. What could possibly go wrong with this level of suspense thriller? Damon! <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> Ready for my close-up. As fun as that was to watch, you uh, might want me to turn it on first. Hello, Damon. I'm ready for my close-up. Get out of there. Get out of there. It's not that they forgot to write a script. I think whoever the studios were were like, oh my God, we've got Morgan Freeman and we've got Ruby Rose. What are we going to do? 
and it's literally like scrambled together and gone, we'll do this. It literally is that, isn't it? It's literally, right, we've got Morgan Freeman and we've got him for basically one night. How many, how much material, generic material, ominous sounding stuff can we record and then we'll chop it up and we'll construct a narrative around? Because it's not a coincidence that she rides a motorcycle and she has to keep the motorcycle helmet on for so much of the time. It means you don't have to pay Ruby Rose for the whole thing. You can just use a stunt person or a double for so much of this. And it feels like this is the flimsy Canon Films era thing that's being constructed around it but with nowhere near the old-fashioned, fun, cheesy crapness of a canon film. Absolutely. So it's filmed in what would seem the lighting setup of two lights, one which is purple <laughs> and one which is like green-yellow throughout the entire thing, which just annoyed me so much that there was no variety in like... Someone bought the John, the John Wick cinematic Lutz package for Premiere yeah. Pro. That's what happened. And then you've got scenes like... There's a scene where she goes to uh, pick up uh, from from a, a de- drug dealer who essentially gives her a drink which drugs her, right? And it's like yeah. everyone is screaming at the scene going, you know that that drink is spiked, yet she takes the yeah. yeah. She basically goes into this weird sort of semi-coma state and then you've got Morgan Freeman going, take the cocaine! And then she snort, she throws a bit of cocaine in her face and suddenly she's like kick ass and back it's so weird this is the thing isn't it i think they believe that simply hiring ruby rose that's the act of coolness there they don't seem to have worked out that no you need to give ruby rose you know a vehicle within with you know enough coolness for her to continue it going but no this is a complete waste of time reminded me a lot of olga kurilenko gary oldman won the courier from late last year as well very similar thing that one that was filmed near entirely in a car park and they just had gary oldman for an afternoon in a nice apartment same setup uh but let's move on to something with a bit more money and clout behind it then take us through Cruella Bex Cruella's here Cruella is here and um, you're back with the live action origin story of um, a girl called Estella who eventually becomes the super villain that kids and adults love to fear Um, and this is her story from you know a very young child all the way through to her transitioning into Cruella you get a few bits of backstory as to why she hates Dalmatians so much you understand kind of what sort of greed, revenge, ambition is all about. And of course, you've got Emma Stone and you've got Emma Thompson too. Stella, it's been so long. You know, I kept staring at you at the party and then it came to me. That's Estella from school. It's not Estella. That's the past. I'm Cruella. So you, you go to parties and you take pictures and you print gossip that's your job yes well not as fun as it sounds oh it doesn't sound fun it sounds useful oh i'm gonna say a thing that i bet you never thought you would hear me say aloud Go on. this in the best possible way makes me think of cats it is a bright showy extravagant musical that has quite clearly, in during the production process, gone off the rails, been taken away from the director, they've had to make certain creative changes, and they've gutted it up, and yet this commits so hard to the bit and somehow knows the aesthetic that it can mine at all times that this walks away relatively unscathed. It's a mess, but it's a very fun and very enjoyable mess. Mm. There are so many constituent parts about it that, that just work. Take Paul Walter Hauser, for instance, who is a frankly ridiculously camp uh, 
almost Dick Van Dyke level American playing British sidekick works because they, he just commits to he knows that's naff he's committed to it he's having some fun in that way that for instance James Corden couldn't do in Cats and you look at the colour palettes and there's a nice contrast going there I had a great time with this and the romping 1970s London Fashion Week does influencer you know devil wears paw print oceans canine romp that unfolds I just thought it was a blast but it's a mess, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's a, look, let's talk about the timestamp on this. It is two hours, 14 minutes long. So mm. it is somewhat of a sog. And the only, chunky, the, chunky puppy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a bit of a chubby puppy. Um, it's, um, it, it's one of those films that I was like so excited to see what Emma Stone does with Cruella that I felt the second half of this movie was much stronger than the first, which is a bit bizarre to say that. Um, but the first move, the first bit, so we've got like Emily Beecham as, um, as Estella's mum. You've got this mm. kid who's grown up with like half hair of white and a half hair of black. And she's a bit Sorry, of can trouble. I just, can I just ask you, because I didn't look this up. Emma Beecham, who plays her mum, what do I know her from? Because um, you said like... The pursu- uh, Pursuit of Love, which was out recently with Lily James. Thank you. That's, yeah. I knew the face. I knew the face. Could Emily not be yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and it's about, like, the thing is, is that this whole kind of origin side of, like, you know, her becoming sort of um, with a gang of criminals, getting her first job at Liberties, you know, going up through the ladder. I was like, it's fine, but you could have done this in half the time. And then let's have even more fun with Cruella. And I don't, you know, I think that bit was a mess. And I think if we just skipped to the Cruella and we saw more of her outrageousness, more of the punk side of it, that would have kept me going. I think your argument and mine are the same, but they're being, they're being taken on from different angles. I think we yeah. are making exactly the same point. Because for me as well, the film, see, in, in each of its three distinct acts, has three distinct plots. Yeah. And it seems to give up on the previous one and never quite recapture the high. So you have that first one that is very much the Tim Burton-y, Maleficent offshoot that you expect it's going to be. You then have the second act where it's The Devil Wears Paw Print. And then you have the third act where it's now Ocean's Canine, with yeah. a bit of more of the influencer slash Count of Monte Cristo slash Mask of Zorro yeah. element. You know, like it's played like a superhero with a secret identity. And the problem is neither is as good as the story that comes before it. Yeah. And it seems to simply give up that story entirely. Going from act two to three is completely jarring, in fact, because it loses any, there is no meaning or relevance behind the act that's preceded it. Because, uh, for instance, the transition from act two to three is it now does not matter who or what Emma Thompson is to this story. What merely merely, uh, is relevant about her is one single scene. The the entire rest of the relationship with her is is immaterial. Yes. You you could be anyone. Yeah. And also, just a very quick point, I actually think the jump from Estella to Cruella Mm. Almost happened way too quickly, and it's like, bam! Suddenly There's no exploration, is there? There's no yeah, and you wanted her to kind of have moments of Cruella to just build into it, and then suddenly she turns. But it's you a want problem. a moment where she practices the voice or something, don't you? Where she's like, you want you want her to be yeah, in the mirror and just do that bit once. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Not and you know, look, I'm not. I'm with you that it is a blast, but I think it's a blast in the second half of the movie, mm. and that's the way I kind of look at it. So you know, yeah. my my favorite half, my favorite part certainly was the uh, the Devil Wears Paw Print stuff because Emma Thompson doing that, doing like Meryl Streep, so much fun. Just oh, had yeah. a ball with that. Yeah, absolutely. And she plays a great villain in this. So, look, there's loads of great elements to it. I think kids and adults. Um, it's a 12A. Kids and adults will enjoy it. You have the option as well of watching this on Disney Plus Premiere Access as well as going to the cinema. So you have options. 
I got asked actually by a friend of mine because you mentioned the age rating. I got asked, was this uh, acceptable for her young son? I think he's seven or eight years old. And my my response to her was, well, to be honest, I know the films that you will have had on around this kid, and I, you know you, she watches things like Labyrinth and you know Jim Henson right. films and George Lucas films. So there's a there's a sort of benchmark there. The old adage of what a PG used to be like in the eighties versus now. This is no worse than anything that you'll see in a sort yeah. of family friendly Tim Burton film. I would yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So there we go. That is Cruella. Um, I think we we enjoyed it to a point. I think there's definitely room for improvement. So it's not that there was a lot of early reviews, sort of social media reviews that were like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And I think if you set your expectations that high, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. Um, So just go in not knowing what to expect and see what you make of it. Welcome back to Off Screen and keeping you on the well, well informed really now on the new release front since new releases are properly back in full force. By the way, we never got to say uh, Vanquish was out on digital on uh, or from today on digital Friday from Friday May the twenty eighth and Cruella, which as you pointed out, Bex is not only in cinemas from today that's available on Disney Plus Premier Access as well, which is yeah. nineteen ninety nine in the UK and I think twenty nine ninety nine in the US. But next we're going to be talking about the earwig and the witch which is in cinemas from today and this is the latest from studio ghibli would you believe they kept this one quiet i didn't know that ghibli had another one coming out let alone that it was going to be their first fully computer animated film so none of the old school uh hand-drawn you know mastery at work there they are trying something different they've done a little dabbling with the computer animation before and i'm sad to say that this is uh if this is anything to go by i think this might be uh, the last time they try it for a while so this is their second adaptation of a novel by uh, Diana Wynne-Jones after Howl's Moving Castle, which turned out, you know, pretty uh, pretty successful for them. And this is another sort of kind of a Dickensian-type mystical fairy tale. You've got the young London London orphan who finds out that she's been born in secretly into the world of magic and she has to fight the forces of darkness with the aid of a cat and... and there's rock music and she joins a band that her mom used to be in and it all looks like something a, a, a cheap French animation house would have released into cinemas in about 2009, 2010 if I'm being charitable. Have a listen. Okay, now what on earth is that? That's the mandrake. Yeah, his den's just on the other side of the wall. Hang on, you actually talk? Of course I do, just not very often. Oh, you might want to stop drawing that. I think it's beginning to disturb the mandrake. Hey, do you know about spells? Hmm, well, I know a lot more than you do about spells. I've seen you looking in that book of hers. Yeah, so this, for its English language dub, has been given the voice talents of people like Casey Musgraves and Richard E. Grant as well. You might be able to hear it Yeah, This is disappointing to hear because I think there's so many fans of Studio Ghibli and... Oh, yeah. You know, and and I think it has to move in a new direction. You know, they they have to try something new. And if this is a big, flat-out fail, what are they going to do? You know, like, it's been another 10 years before we get... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like another good film out. 
And that's the thing. This all just feels so rote. It does feel like, you know, Sammy the Turtle's aquatic adventure, you know, like like put out by some cheap offside Parisian animation house. I think it's like picked up for 10 grand for like Fox's kids division. And we wind up accidentally having to review it, that kind of thing, where the animation just looks so prehistoric. Like, you know, it's very obvious that this is sort of a training ground for up and coming talent rather than active, you know, representative of the higher end of the industry, contemporary talent. Um, It just lacks that spark as well. It's hard to deny that despite having the Ghibli name attached, in fact, because it has the Ghibli name attached, there is an expectation of of premium quality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are, you know, second to Pixar on yeah. the planet's best best regarded animators arguably yeah. overtakes them in certain hipster circles but this just alas just does not have anywhere near enough life going for it, it feels so creaky it feels so rote it feels like the kind of thing you will experience solely as oh it, it's that it's the premiere on now tv that day it's the movie that sky mm. cinema premiering that day and you accidentally watch it because you know you dozed off whilst the kid was watching something else previously you know one of those what a shame so you're basically saying don't go out of your way for this one maybe revisit a a ghibli classic instead it's it it feels it feels like their first ever for video venture this feels like their 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 answer to you know disney doing planes or dreamworks doing puss in boots this is ghibli's equivalent to that Ouch. Okay. Well, look, if you do want to go and see it, just out of intrigue, it is in cinemas as of today. So, you know, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this. So obviously you can let us know. But Studio Ghibli is not exactly running away with the plaudits from us on that one, or for at least from that. But let's let's end the sort of cinema run for this week with with a big film. Uh, A big film and a big franchise, in fact, um, in the world of horror. It is the conjuring the devil made me do it now this is already out in cinema so some of you might have seen it um i am a huge fan of the conjuring series i think it's it's absolutely brilliant um this is the first uh well this is the this is the first time that ed and lorraine warren are in essentially what is like a courtroom case with this and Mm. it follows the story of a guy called arnie who takes on the exorcism from a young boy um, and essentially gets um, embodied with a spirit, co- basically commits a murder, and then pleads. In the first time in US history, it's a, a, a charge of murder which whose defence is basically being pleaded as defence via demonic possession. And this is where Lorraine and Ed have to dig deeper and darker than ever before to help him. Look, I don't think he should get the death sentence either. But I am not going before a grand jury and saying he was possessed by demons. It's never been done. Yes, it has. It's been done twice in England. The Michael Taylor case was just a few years ago. Let me rephrase that. It's never been done successfully. Then let us help you. Ed and I have proven the existence of the demonic hundreds of times. You've proven it to the church. This is a court of law. The standards of evidence are completely different. The court accepts the existence of God every time a witness swears to tell the truth. I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil. Right, so I, I, I had all the, I thought this had all the potential in the world going for it, just based on the pitch. I, I wasn't even watching trailers and nothing like that. I just heard what the story was, 
And, and my response to that was, oh my God, this is going to be great. I mean, the, con- the first two Conjuring movies, those are really good. Even the second one, which, you know, is needless. It seems to know that it's a needless sequel, but it's yeah. still so well made that you forgive it. I mean, we'd all seen versions of the Enfield Haunting recently yeah. before that movie, but it was just fun to see the Conjuring guys have a go at it. Now we're getting the Conjuring doing this particular story we're going to do the courtroom we're going to do the devil made me do it defense and instead we simply get what feels more like the second conjury movie where we know we're just going to go through the motions and do the wibbly wobbly haunted house bag of tricks again but this time the inventive mind behind the camera that made those is absent as well and instead in his place you've got the unimaginative director of the last unimaginative derivative spin-off they put out a movie they shrouded in secrecy so hard that even its complete mystery could not generate any excitement for it and that was the curse of la llorona which was about 18 months ago it just feels like a complete dud to me this one Oh, okay, interesting. I actually enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad that they didn't go down a straight courtroom drama with this. And so what this what this film made me do is go off and actually Google the real case and what happened there. So a lot of it is left up to, as you can imagine, fiction, that they've had to fill in some of the gaps because they don't know what really caused all of this. And actually the case itself is still very controversial. I think they could have had more of a balance between the courtroom and also the um, sort of haunted house style element to it. I thought the performances were great. I thought, firstly, Vera Flaminga had much more to do in this movie, um, which I thought worked really well. I liked the twist as to what was causing the possession, because I didn't see that one coming. And and I'm obviously not going to tell you what it is, so you can enjoy it. Of course. Um, And there is an amazing scene in a mortuary, which I think worked incredibly well as a bit of element of horror. For me, what it had was it was like, and I saw this written up somewhere, and it perfectly describes it. It's like CSI, but for (laughs) horror. And I think it kind of does that really well. Basically, they're doing detective work and discovering all this other stuff. And it just kept me really interested. But with enough, like scary moments like a very strong beginning with the exorcism that we see that kind of you know when the contortion of the body and stuff that stuff always gets me and I'm kind of like oh god it's really hard to watch this but that's what it needed and it throws it in at just about the right amount of time throughout the film I think I, I, go, I think look viewing it on a franchise level as well I think there was another element of disappointment in the expectation there is that the last Annabelle movie had been something quite different as regards its series to that point. In fact, the Annabelle series has changed up its formula rather nicely when you actually sit and look at it. Um, and the idea that the, you know, the Conjuring 3 call, the Conjuring obviously being the sort of Avengers of this would-be cinematic yeah. universe that seems to have erupted around. I mean, as far as I know, we're still getting a Nun 2, I think. Oh, God, really? At some point. And we've still got like a version of the Slender Man or something to come. There are still spin-offs of this to come. But I think knowing that one of the mainline Avengers-style installments of this was going to keep this trend going of trying to do something different in rather the same way that for instance the Marvel Cinematic Universe did where it started saying we're doing superhero movies but this one's a thriller this one's a heist movie I liked the idea of this horror fran- <clears throat> this horror franchise is going to do the same thing yeah we've got this one that's it's the babysitter murders one but we're going to do that one with Annabelle and we've got this one that's going to be the, the, the courtroom legal thriller a time to kill 
but supernaturally. Yeah. You know, I would have loved something like that. I, like but, I say, I um, think it just needed the balance a bit more. It, it just went too far one way rather, and like mm. too, too little the other. And I think had they just balanced that out a little bit more, that would have worked. So James Wan is, was exec producing on this. Um, I can't remember who the director was, but... Which is kind of... It's Michael Chavez who did La right. Llorona. And the thing is that when James Wan executive produces, he's not a hands-on executive producer. James Wan is, was a producer on MacGyver for right. six seasons of TV. I know the guy allegedly directed the pilot, but I refuse to believe for one second that that man ever watched an episode of MacGyver after the pilot he himself allegedly directed. You know what I mean? Like, he slaps his name on a lot of stuff so yeah. that we can't really take it as too much as... Re- it's, it's You get a lot of this with, like, Lee Wanell, a lot of horror guys. I mean, yeah. how many things is Rob, Rob Zombie's name on? Name, yeah, Rob Zombie's exactly. name is slapped on. Yeah, I think, look, overall, I think if you're a massive horror fan and you've got, you know, mm. you've enjoyed The Conjuring, you will probably be disappointed by this. But I think for general public, it's still got enough scares here there and everywhere to keep you entertained it's glossy it's well made it's csi with horror that's all you kind of really need to know (laughs) i would contrast it with spiral last week see how if you're a sore fan and you fared well with spiral i think you'd be okay with you know this franchise and, and and the devil made me do it as well Welcome back to Off Screen. We're moving from the cinema straight to your couch right now because we've got all of your top movies on the Freeview telly box for you. And don't forget, we are still keeping this element in because we think it's really important that you can it's still, still see essential stuff. service. Yeah, it is still essential. So I hope you guys enjoy it, but it's a bit more of a quick fire round of each of these. So we'll kick straight off with... Oh, one of the classics. Um, (laughs) It's Jurassic Park on Channel 5 at uh, 5.10 p.m. on Saturday. What a great sort of Saturday, late afternoon, early evening movie. The last time I watched this was actually a drive-in um, a few months ago. I remember this. Yes. This was was, was last, last summer, I think, was it? Yeah, God, it feels like... It feels like a long time ago, but not a long time ago, if that makes sense. But um, it's uh, it was great to see on the big screen, great to watch in your car. I think it was a really good experience to do. But, you know, you can obviously watch it on your small screen. I remember the 30th anniversary reissue. My girlfriend's one, one of her favourite movies in the world is Jurassic Park. We went to a Friday night screening at our local multiplex, opening night of the new reissue. Room full of, you know, sort of adult millennials, our sort of age. And then... Um, a couple came in our age with their young children who quite clearly seemed bored and like oh, we're, we're too old for this nonsense kind of bravado all the way through right up until it got to the really scary bit and every one of us in that screen laughed our asses off it was a joy we were reliving the experience through these two children and watching them get the frights of their lives yeah. through those notable scary bits you know what if you ever get that that chance I cannot recommend highly enough that you do Jurassic Park still a winner if you've got kids between sort of five and ten i would say who've never seen it prepare them sit them down show it them it is it's a a rite of passage it's a rite of passage isn't it it's it's a time in life the first time you see jurassic park and that's five past that's ten past five sorry on channel five on saturday i think it's a great way to start there it is a really good way to start start the weekend um and also uh, the way to a good way to finish the weekend is on sunday um on on four at Wow, 5.20pm, so another good mid to late afternoon slot is for a film that you really love, isn't it? 
I adore this film. This is, for my money, the best movie ever based around Spider-Man. It is, of course, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, getting, I think, its UK terrestrial premiere on Channel 4. Um, this is, of course, the Oscar-winning, best animated feature acclaimed uh, Spider-Man spin-off venture from Sony Animation, featuring Miles Morales as the Spider-Man this time around, who's called into action forced to discover his powers and how to become the best Spider-Man he can be when the multiverse cracks open and all the different Spider-Man from all the different realities come pouring through. And he's, of course, left with no choice of mentor but Jake Johnson's Peter B. Parker. Aim with your hips! Look where you want it to hit! Double tap to release and whip it out again. Okay. Whip and release. And whip, release. Whip and release. You're an actor. Whip, release. Feel the rhythm? Release. Good, Miles. I gotta say, you're amazing, man. We're a little teeth. Me as the teacher who could still do it. You as the student who can do it just not as good. I'm proud of us. Is there something you want to say to me? Now, I was with you uh, and the brilliant Paul Ross um, when this won the Oscar and mm. we were in the studios covering it and you literally jumped out of your chair. You were so ecstatic um, for its win. I was. And do you know what? If Black Panther had wound up winning Black, uh, Best Picture as well, uh, I would have uh, I, I would have been overjoyed. It, it, it was such a... <laughs> it would have absolutely made the made the it would never happen. But you know what? I got half a wish, and yeah, and no one expected anything of this when it was in development. And this was Mad Max Fury Road. It had no right to be anywhere near as good as it was. And it's a stone cold masterpiece. It's an absolute game changer. And you need only watch the recently released uh, The Mitchells versus the Machines on Netflix to kind of see the influence it's going to have on the legacy of animation. So Stone Cold Game Changer, absolutely watch it with the whole family. There is something in it for everyone. 20 20 past five on uh, Sunday afternoon on Channel 4, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. I mean, best animated feature can't be wrong, right? There we go, there we go. Uh, Moving on to Monday, we've got a great Indiana Jones film. Raiders of the Lost Ark is on Film 4 at 9pm. These are the movies that just don't date. They don't age. You just carry on. You can watch them again and again and again. They're obviously in this one on the search for the Ark of the Covenant. There is a great, uh, at the end of it, the whole, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but why have you not seen this? But the whole face-melting scenes at the end, you know, there's some great (laughs) candles you can buy from like some joke shots and like movie shots which do just that and it's um you know like this is the ultimate for me this is the ultimate action hero of my childhood um harrison ford as indiana jones he made Definitely me a very 80s, 80s childhood yeah. benchmark totally isn't he yeah 100 percent made me want to be an archaeologist because i literally thought <laughs> that is what archaeologists do and it's blooming cool um but this is you know this is such a fun i think I was trying to think if this is my favourite out of the original Indiana Jones. I, I do it's love... It's either Hunter the first Doom. or the third, isn't it? It's usually yeah. either the first or the third. Which one's... Is the third... Um, Sean Connery. The, yeah, it's that one. Oh, see, I love Temple of Doom so much. So I'm... Yeah, I don't know. I love all three of them. But you know what? You can't go wrong with this. It's going to be so much fun. I actually wish it was on a little bit earlier to be honest. But hey, look, it's on film for nine o'clock on Monday. If you've got nothing in the diary for Monday, this is the thing for you. Well, it's, a, it's a bank holiday. So I think it's meant to be a sort of come down for people who've been out yeah. enjoying the bank holiday, I would say. Speaking of, holiday. that's uh, 
It is, yeah. And then, of course, to actually start the week properly on Tuesday, uh, we're going for something a little later and a little more for the adults. Bex, take us back to Richard Curtis land. What we got? Oh, I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. <laughs> you go there as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I think it's 1994. We were it introduced is. to Hugh Grant. Um, and his and, floppy hair. And it's the floppy hair as, uh, you know, the hopeless romance, well, Hope the guy that can't really commit, but uh, essentially he goes through four weddings and a funeral to ev- eventually get together with his love, Andy McDowell, in this. Which actually, I know you think Andy McDowell is like the worst thing uh, ever to she grace. Is. The she's for she's this. terrible. She's truly <laughs> spectacularly bad in this movie. Like it is, it is. You watch it, you're just like, what was anybody thinking? This is ludicrously bad. This is shut the movie down and recast the whole thing. Bad. I think maybe the Graham Norton re- recreation of this with uh, Hugh Grant was probably better than the rain mm. scene uh, with Andy Vitale. But look, do you know what? There's so many brilliant quotes. It's such a lovable film. You know, there's so many funny moments that we still are, you know, really enjoying at the moment. Some cl- uh, you classic know. razor-sharp Kurtishness, isn't there? Yeah, so good. So, mm. look, guys, if you haven't watched this in a while, go back, go and watch it. It's on Film 4. Oh, it's a late one, 11.05pm on Tuesday. But you know what? Hit that record button and go and enjoy it, you know, at, at your leisure because it really is worth a watch. And I do think, in a very British way, it will still hold up as well. So... <laughs> Um, you know, hopefully it doesn't feel too dated. On to Wednesday night then, something that, uh, well, I mean, should should feel a little, a little bit dated because it's, you know, it's a movie starring Mel Gibson, which does seem a bit old hat now. Um, on the Paramount Network at five past ten is the Roland Emmerich directed, I believe, The Patriot. We all like to forget that Roland Emmerich did this one, in which Roland Emmerich, the guy who brought us Independence Day, Godzilla, Stargate, Universal Soldier, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, you know, those kind of movies, decides he's going to do the American the American War for Independence. And of course, given that I've just read you out his filmography, you can ex- you can guess exactly how much subtlety he does that with. He even gets Mel Gibson to play, you know, the common everyman landowner who's forced into the war when his sons are seemingly picked off one by one by a positively drooling and salivating British colonel played by Jason Isaacs. If you harm him, you condemn our officers. With respect, sir, he's killed as many officers in the last two months. He has shown no aggression here, hence he cannot be touched. Has he not? You! Well, you're the ghost, are you? I remember you and that farm, that stupid little boy. Did he die? You know, it's an ugly business doing one's duty. But just occasionally, it's a real pleasure. Before this war's over, I'm going to kill you. Why wait? This is worth watching for Jason Isaacs alone. Honestly, he's such a great villain. And just the absolute hatred on screen between him and Mel Gibson. It feels palpable. It feels palpable, yeah. I'm not going to lie. So that 10 past five, uh, 5 past 10, sorry, I keep doing that, on the Paramount Network on Wednesday night, The Patriot. Definitely check that one out. Take us to Thursday, Bex. What, what shape are we in? We're, well, we're in a, a liquid form. Um, 
quite possibly in the shape of water. Um, this is, I was just about to say, Benicio del Toro. No, it's wrong. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. It's the other del Toro. It's the other del Toro yeah, this time. It's the other one. His directed Oscar winning Best Picture uh, winning um, d- uh, movie starring Sally Hawkins, um, who. So. It, it, it's like the it's 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 basically it's about a woman who falls in love with a merman, right? But it's not in the way that you expect it to be, and it is a visual feast for the eyes. Whereas loads of people I remember around this Oscar season were like, "Oh, we haven't seen it." Number one and number two, like, really? Isn't that like way too art house and different and bonkers to be best picture? Ugh, who knows? But it is sumptuous and gorgeous, and loved it. I it's loved incredible. it. I love the performances. It is an yeah. incredible movie. This is a film lovers movie. Is what this is. Absolutely, it is. You can, and you can see the love that, Bene- that Benicio. I'm doing it now as well. Guillermo del Toro <laughs> has for the classic monster movie. You know, his creature from the Black Lagoon on Marshes, but also his his artistry of the the imagery and the classic visuals of that period, as well. Genuinely beautiful film, uh, powered very heavily by uh, moving performance from Doug Jones, as well, mm. who incidentally currently stars in Star Trek Discovery, where he starred with Jason Isaacs from The Patriot. <laughs> but uh, wonderful performance from Doug Jones. One day, that man will rightly get nominated for an Oscar. But one movie that did not get nominated for an Oscar, so far as I know, closes out our week over on Dave on Friday night at 10pm Bex. Bad boys, bad boys, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when they come for you? Um, just quickly, though, before we talk about bad boys, uh, The Shape cool. of Water just very quickly is on film four at nine o'clock, just in oh, case we... Of course it is, of course it is. Um, but bad boys, I, I love this because I was like, well, there were there were great movies on Friday, on this Friday that you could have picked from, but or we could have picked from, but actually... You need a good Friday night movie and Bad Boys, yeah. Will Smith, Martin Lawrence completely embodies that. And, you know, lots of people are not as in love with Bad Boys too. fair enough. But this mm. one, the original, the OG, this is the fun buddy cop, um, you know, film that has spawned, what, 20 years later, the brilliant Bad Boys for life, you know, that still really worked. We had a blast it watching does, that it- one, we did. We had a great time watching that one, if memory serves, Bex. I mean, I've always been amazed that Bad Boys wasn't more of a franchise, made, yeah. made more of as a franchise than it was. And you can argue that that is solely down to the star power of Will Smith, because it's not like Martin Lawrence was too busy to churn out you know, another five of these over yeah. the years. <laughs> and you know what? He was just really grateful for the call-up for Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> he looks like someone's uncle in that movie. Like, come on, man. How often, how often are you really paid this much money to do a movie you get second billing on with the world's biggest movie star come on man hit the track jeez uh, anyway but anyway. Uh, I, I, i'm just saying I, I'm, I'm not body shaming the man i think i'm just saying his level of effort shows i'm just yeah, that's all i'm fair saying enough. But, if you like, uh, look, at the end of the day if you like action you like comedy you like it balanced really well you've got great performances you've got everything visual that's going for you on a friday night this is a fun popcorn watch with your mates it's fantastic. It's on Dave. It's on 10 p.m. on Friday, rounding off your week. I think it's brilliant. Welcome back for one last ride off screen, and we're taking that ride down the, well, it's not so virtual anymore. You can go to a real DVD and Blu-ray aisle now. And we've got some some films reaching home platforms finally this week. We've got, uh, the one was the subject of, of much uh, development hell, and that is, of course, uh, Chaos Walking, latest uh, movie directed by... Uh, Edge of Tomorrow and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Homer Doug Lyman, stars Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley, you know, figureheads of their own respective towering franchises who don't seem to be able to find a, anything to do outside of that franchise. I did see did Cherry. See and Cherry recently, though. You know, that was kind of, I suppose that was his push for serious actor 
a contender, potential awards mm. contender, um, didn't really come off. But I do have to say, I think Tom Holland will be more, will have more variety to his career than, say, Daisy Ridley will. Like her choices. Yeah, I don't think that she, I think you she's going to struggle through like making a name for herself outside the Star Wars franchise. But, you know, whereas Tom Holland is already like people know his name, not just because of Spider-Man. You know, there's 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 other things that they've they've got him in for. So look, I, I, they, he doesn't hold up this particular offering, I don't think. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone can. I mean, they've got Mads Mikkelsen in like flamboyant post-apocalyptic cowboy drag. Because this is an adaptation of like a world where all women have like seemingly died out and all the men's uh, inner thoughts are like projected around them in a sort of haze and Daisy Ridley lands on the planet and is like the only woman any of these guys have seen in, in you know decades or whatever. But at the same time, they can't hide anything for her and Tom Holland has to protect her. And the problem is it just feels like, you know, a really dull weekend of filming in a muddy quarry it's just it's incredibly unappealing um one that does seem to of course appeal also on the dvd shelf uh from again these these are all from monday uh this coming monday the 31st of, yeah. of may. Yeah. yeah may 31st of may isn't it yes um sound of metal which yeah. of course was on been on amazon prime for a few weeks um has been on in cinemas for two weeks since they've reopened and stars riz ahmed in what's now his oscar nominated his best actor nominated role as the the drummer facing hearing loss in the face of like recovery from addiction i did i enjoyed it i enjoyed it because of riz's performance um i thought actually it was quite um mm. it was slightly flat in terms of everything else that was going on but i think the exploration that his character had in this was really interesting um it's it's one of those films that i think are you going to be moved by this movie probably not but are you going to be intrigued by it yes are you going to be intrigued by it? why are you going to be intrigued by it you're going to be intrigued by it because you've heard that riz has, has picked up a, an oscar nod for this and you want to know why this is as far as intrigue goes. This is the guy who knows a guy who's heard yeah, about a guy yeah, who's it's, yeah, knows it, a guy. I mean, look, I, <laughs> I, this is Cabin in the Woods level, level, intrigue. level intrigue. I just thought I was just interested to say, oh, okay, this has obviously hit some headlines. Let's watch it. And I watched it, and I was a bit like, okay, this part of it is pretty dull. I'm not that interested in it. I thought um, Olivia Cook was good as the girlfriend in this. Um, and I thought Riz Ahmed was excellent. She's she's not nowhere near the plot. Yeah, I think again she's a she's either. a difficult one. You know, she was in Ready Player One and things like that, and she's not quite broken ground in the way that I thought she maybe would have done. But hopefully, there's still time. Mm. She's still very young. Um, but she uh, she plays way beyond her years in this movie and was almost unrecognisable actually at the beginning. Um, so yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, wise beyond their years, of course, uh, no one was more so than David Bowie, whose uh, would-be biopic Stardust is out on disc format this week as well. And boy, did we want this to be the best movie ever. This is literally the story of when the fledgling, you know, based off of a single album, young emerging artist David Bowie took to the United States on his first tour and the friendship he formed with his road manager, played here by Mark Maron. Johnny Flynn's taking on, you know, central duties here because... Yeah. With pretty good casting. We're not going to lie on that one. It's, it's, it's good enough casting. And it is, you know, the story of how David Bowie found, found his identity. I mean, maybe... Maybe more people would want to meet me if you told them that I was a unique artist, say, who could fill the gap between Elvis and Dylan. Hmm. Elvis and Dylan. Gap. So, 
Who do we got in there? Neil Young, James Taylor, Marvin Gaye, Leonard Cohen, the Ohio Players, The Doors, The Velvets, Credence, Johnny Cash, uh, Janis Joplin, Joni Mitchell, every artist on the Motown label. I mean, a unique British artist. Right, unique British artist. There aren't too many of those other than Led Zepp, Pink Floyd, Deep Purple, Yes, yep. Pretty Things, yep. Faces, Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones. Oh, this I think is actually my biggest of this year. I think this is the, you cannot make a movie about an iconic musician and not have any of his music in it. It's it's ridiculous. They did try, didn't they, with Jimi Hendrix like seven or eight years ago. I remember we pointed this out when the Bowie one happened. Like, why would you buy? It's the one thing about David Bowie. It's it, it's more than anything about him. The music said so much about the man. I mean, putting aside that the idea of doing a Bowie biopic feels almost blasphemous anyway, because David Bowie's yeah. kind of like the Joker. I like the idea that he sort of just emerges fully formed. I don't really want to get into the weeds of where... Yeah that particular comes from the thing with david bowie was he was, yeah, was more about yeah. his creative but mind it was it was the origin the, the most mind. pointless movie made is is kind of how i look at it it just really annoys me and it grates on me and it doesn't you know what you want to do is what i love doing about mm. true life movies is is finding out more about it because it intrigues you enough to do that and this doesn't it's it's <clears> really frustrating but yeah. you know you know what guys you can still watch it. We don't recommend that you do, but it is out on DVD and Blu-ray. So should we should we crack on to streaming um, instead? Let's let's move swiftly on. Um, Netflix as of next Friday. Oh, interesting. Um, from one sort of biopic to a strange collaboration of, of iconic music, should we say? With, with with Do you know? I love that you took it there. I was going to tie it back into the fact that we had a Richard Curtis, uh, you know, movie in the freeview section. So why not have one that, for all intents and purposes, yeah. kind of is a Richard Curtis movie again? Only this one yeah. is directed weirdly by Danny Boyle. Not that you can tell other than a certain camera which feels almost obligatory later in the film and this is of course uh yesterday yeah. which yeah. stars was it hamish patel oh, i think his name was. um it was, i think it was it was, it was <clears throat> that's it because on, on the marketing it was all like introducing hamish patel and everyone who watched eastenders like matt turner who's a massive soap addict like included were like no i think you'll find he was introduced yeah. to audiences a decade ago as He's insert name here on <laughs> and i'm like okay yeah that one struck a chord. That struck a chord. But he's the you know the hardworking busking musician who happens to be the only person alive who, after a freak global power outage, remembers the existence of the Beatles, and henceforth claims their work as his own, leading to bizarre overnight fame and even a mentorship under the tutelage of a very crowbar in Ed Sheeran because it was clearly meant to be it was so blatantly meant to be Chris Martin like they've said that but also the script clearly wasn't yeah. changed because there were so many yeah. mentions of Chris Martin and Coldplay in there um, and of course it, it, it's about nothing more ultimately than the love that he shares for his best friend the dowdy school teacher whom he somehow never noticed before as you wouldn't, Lily James. Yeah, I, mean, I get that. that. Was the like, do you know what she plays? One. Like, not a similar character, but there is that kind of element in Baby Driver as well. She's like, she's the, she's the diner girl, you know, who's <laughs> who's like quirky. <laughs> Yeah, on what, on what pl- if that's your girl next door, mate, I want to live in your house. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I get where you're going with that. It's like, what are you doing, God? But, uh, you know, Lily is on the is on the the sort of yeah. slight 
worry of being a bit like James Corden and being ev- too much everywhere. Um, I don't know, that Pamela Anderson thing does look really fun. Like, And she could, I think she could really nail that. Yeah. Sebastian Stan brings the fun every time. And I think he would elevate, yeah. if, if anywhere she would come short, potentially, I think he has enough abundant charisma to help elevate I think her I'm in that very, way. I that, think that, that would be I'm really very good. interested in seeing. But Yesterday is a good, competent film. It's It's not as memorable and you know one that you're going to want to rush to see as as i mm. thought it would be you know when you throw danny boyle it's the beatles it's sort of weird i was going to say time travel it's not quite time travel but you know it's it, it's an interesting hasn't, concept hasn't it got joel fry from uh from cruella the, one of the sidekicks from Cruella. Yes, as I thought his I recognised well. him from something like this yeah i think there was a I link there so. as well yeah yeah he's 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 I'm starting to like him a lot more. Anyway, on to one more premiere then for next Friday on streaming. And this is obviously, this was out on Disney uh, Disney Plus premiere access a few months ago, tying with its, its theatrical, its intended theatrical release. Now it becomes available to all Disney Plus subscribers from Friday the 4th. Really? So, of course, Raya yeah. and the Last Dragon. I you loved got to cover this film. This, I, I mean, time, this, actually, this is the one that I was like, if they're going to release this in the cinemas, you want to see in the cinema. It is a visual feast for the eyes as well, for kids as well as adults. Um, and it's fun it's exciting it's it's ah oh, it's one of those things that i think every sort of box is ticked from an animated feature perspective on this um and mm. so yeah i thought so it was out on yeah it was out on disney plus before was it not premiere access okay. where you had to pay the extra charge uh to see it in line with its theatrical release we're going to get this um again obviously cruella has it from today but we're going to get this again on the 9th of yeah. uh, july with black widow as well, and then of course at the end of yeah. July with Jungle Cruise, uh, one more time with Dwayne Johnson. It's gonna be very interesting to see if they're going to keep trying this out over the course of this year as certain cinemas, country, uh, certain uh, cinemas in certain mm. countries remain closed. It's going to be interesting to see how yeah. long Disney keep it going and if it's something that's going to continue on past but do you know what i would have said is is actually this is even if you'd had to have paid premier access for this you will not have been disappointed but actually the fact that you get the fact that you're getting it for free absolute bonus so rush to watch this because it's a fantastic (laughs) film what a good way to round off the show with raya and the last dragon and of course, you know, our next show, we're going to be starting off with something I hope turns out to be an enjoyable conversation, which is A Quiet Place 2. We're going to talk about that finally, which has been so delayed. That one, There are so many critics who saw that just before lockdown as well, who've been forced to keep their mouth shut this entire time, that you just know they've been just churning at the bit, chomping at the bit for a year now, coming up with their best zingers yeah. and everything. I, I, so expect I've fun seen it. reviews. I've seen it, on, and I have to say, too, I'm not sure I could have kept mm. quiet for a year. <laughs> <laughs> well there is that also out next week we've got uh, I think it's the Logan Lerman I think it's Logan Lerman sci-fi thriller flashback the Robin Wright drama Land uh, <clears throat> sorry the Robin Wright uh, drama Land and the uh, latest Curzon Venture The Killing of Two Lovers is out next week as well and I've, I'll have to check the confirmation I'm not sure if it's next week or the week after that Kevin Hart's fatherhood exciting stuff well you know what it's action packed in the cinema as well as at home here for you guys with all movies for you to watch whatever your preference is but for now we'll leave you with all of these great picks and choices we'll be back next week with off screen but for now i've been bex perfect i've been van connor and we shall return <laughs>